Glory to God. The Lord is so very good to us, isn't He? Praise God. I, uh, I felt at the start of this year that we need to put emphasis on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, we have been doing that. We spoke to you at the very latter part of the year concerning our particular desire to publish His name according to Deuteronomy 32, verse 3. And I still feel that this is a very important thing. We cannot ignore the fact that the name of Jesus Christ has promised to bring division. Jesus said, Ye shall be hated among all nations for my name's sake. And I believe that the Lord knew exactly what He was talking about. I want to start by reading a scripture tonight in Matthew 5. I just felt like changing what I had planned on talking about. And we want to talk about this particular subject, of which I feel is very, very important. Matthew 5, verse 10, the Bible says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, righteousness' sake here is simply making reference to living right, doing right, and being right. That people will be persecuted for Believing right, being right, and doing right. That's the sum total of righteousness. It just simply means right or truth that comes through basic faith and action. Now verse 11 says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, And shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now notice what he says in verse 13. Ye... Are the salt of the earth. And then he goes on. Verse 14 says. Ye are the light of the world. People are going to persecute you. But they need you. And they can't make it without you. And this is a fundamental doctrine. Taught in the Bible. And the reason why that Jesus Christ. Was placed. Upon. The cross. Is because. They thought. That is, the religious leaders 
of the days of the Lord thought that he was guilty of blasphemy. They hired two witnesses and they came and testified against him falsely and he was put to death for blasphemy. Now this is something that we need to understand that throughout the entire history of man, people have been put to death for the sake of the Lord. See, Jesus wept, wept over Jerusalem, and this is what he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He said, how oft would I have gathered thee, thee together as a hen would gather her brood or chickens under her wings? He said, but you would not hear me. But notice what he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that persecuteth the prophets and stoneth them. The Apostle Paul had this to say, that I put people to death thinking I was doing God a service. Now we told you at the beginning of the year that this would probably be a year of great revival, but a year of persecution. And invariably, all revivals without exception in the Bible came out of periods of great persecution. Without exception. God's people began to fast and pray because they had to. Not because they wanted to. It was a matter of survival. October the 27th, 1983 will be 429 years since a Spanish philosopher, or maybe I should say theologian, by the name of Servetus, was burned at the stake. By John Calvin. Now a lot of people don't understand this. John Calvin is responsible for the starting. Of a major Christian denomination. Here in the states. Now it wasn't started here in the states. But it, it, it happens to be a prevalent prominent religion here in the states. John Calvin thinking that he was doing God a service, had Servetus burn at the stake. You know why he had him burn at the stake? Because he had written a manuscript of several hundred pages concerning his revelation of the mighty God in Christ. And he was constantly asked over a period of several months if he would recant, if he would take back his stand relative to his belief in the mighty God in Christ. And he wouldn't do it. He was taken on a Sunday morning as John Calvin was in his office preparing to preach in the large church in which he pastored. He was taken at the request of John Calvin and he was burned slowly 
to make his pain longer because he believed that Jesus was indeed the mighty God. That's something that we need to, to consider. There has never been a generation that has accepted the fullness of God. There have been people out of the generation, but not the generation as a whole. Not the generation as a whole. And so it would be wise for you to, to if you want to strengthen your faith in the oneness of God... Check out some books and read them and find out how the oneness of God became an an unpopular doctrine. And it will just really amaze you when you search through the pages of history. Now there has not been, as far as I can see, any generation since Jesus was here that was void of the teaching of the oneness of God. There have always been remnants of people. And of course in the last days, there is a promise in the scripture that his name will be published among all nations. Praise God. Now I'm responsible for that. And you're responsible for that. And we do not in any way want to feel that... uh, This is not our responsibility. Now, if Jesus said that you would be hated among all nations for my name's sake, then he knew exactly what he was talking about. Now, quite often, people will come and ask you, what's the difference between your church and church down the street or church across town? Or is there any difference? And a lot of times you are prone to say, well, not too much. Now, just today I was praying about this. And I don't know why I was praying about it. I had uh, prepared to teach a Bible study using the overhead and going into an entirely different subject. But uh, perhaps after God has spoken to us the way he has, and, and then, of course, after I talk to the Lord today, the Lord instructed me that we should clearly define the difference and stop saying there's not much difference. We should clearly define our position that the difference is that we adhere to The oneness of God, the absolute necessity of Jesus' name, baptism, and living a God-fearing life that reflects the holiness of God in the way we dress and the way we conduct ourselves. The truth of the matter is, the only thing that's similar to this church and so-called Pentecostal churches in town is that occasionally they get loud and we get loud. But that's not enough similarity to even say that we are in any way, shape, form, or fashion associated or kin in our doctrine or in our worship. 
Praise God. You see, if we don't point out the difference, people won't know. And while I would like for you to understand that you should be extremely kind and not try to pick a fight with people, that it is necessary that you point out the difference. Now, I am a firm believer that you have to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost in order to be saved. I believe it because I believe that John 3, verse 5, which speaks of water baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost that Jesus spoke of, is without exception. Now, I really believe that. Now, I don't like to just go up to people and say, you know, if you don't believe the way we believe, you're lost. You're just uh, going to die and go to hell. But a careful search through the New Testament will certainly strengthen your belief in the Jesus message. The name Jesus was taken from a Hebrew word, Yeshua. Or Yeshua. Which simply means Jehovah is with us. That's exactly what it means. Jehovah was the Father, or God, that the Jews recognized throughout the law and throughout the book of the prophets in the Old Testament. And when we talk about Jesus, we are not excluding Jehovah. You cannot talk about Jesus without Including Jehovah. Now let me explain something. That I think is very, very important. You see, John said, He that accepts the Son, accepts the Father also. But he did not say, He that accepts the Father, accepts the Son also. And while a lot of people would turn it around, he didn't say that. Why? Because the Jews were guilty of acceptance of Jehovah, but rejection of Jesus. Isn't that right? Now, recently I spoke on a Sunday morning, and uh, the Lord just came down in a mighty way and, and talked with us through... Tongues and interpretation at the end of the message. And, and, and I very well remember the Lord speaking to us concerning Moses and concerning his bride. And uh, wow, did you know that almost blew my mind. I got to thinking about it and I got to studying and I got to praying about it and such. Moses married a Gentile bride. And did you know that the tribes of Israel were so closely uh, defined that 
when God established them in the Holy Land, He put certain tribes here, certain tribes there, and very rarely, upon only special and certain occasions, did they marry outside of their tribes. In fact, if you go to the book of Revelation, the early chapters, you will find that when God begins to select the Jews that will go through the tribulation period, they still can identify to their particular tribes. But Moses married outside of the household of faith. Why did he do this? Because Moses was rejected of his brethren. And he was cast outside of the household of faith. And he could not go back and visit until such a time that God told him to go back. And Moses was a prophet that was a type of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was rejected by his own. He came as a deliverer, Moses did, but he was rejected. The Bible tells us in John 1 and 1 that Jesus came unto his own, but his own refused him. Now, the thing about it is this, that he came unto his own and he was refused. He was in the world, the world was made by him, yet the world knew him not. Now, the situation is this, that God, Jesus Christ, interchangeable terms here, was locked, the door was closed, he was rejected, he came unto his own and his own knew him not, they did not accept salvation that he was about to to give them, and so he goes out into the world seeking people who will bear His name. The Jews knew that the name Jesus meant Jehovah with us. They knew that. And one reason why that they knew that Jesus was the king of the Jews, or at least they recognized the possibility was the fact that he bore the name Jehovah and his lineage could be traced back to David. And then, of course, through his mother's flesh could be traced back to Adam. And so he held a right to be the king of the Jews. But they locked the door and cast him out. Now, you and I have become the privileged people on the face of the earth to bear his name. Praise God. And you talk about a privilege. There is no privilege anywhere that is equal to bearing the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Mark the 6th chapter, verse 3. 
Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Now this word offended is found several places in the New Testament. Found in the book of Matthew and also it's found in in, uh, the book of uh, the epistle of Peter. But uh, what do you think of when you think of being offended? Somebody help me out. Now this is just kind of a Bible class. I don't know where in the world we're going to go from here. Embarrassed. Okay. Repelled. Okay. All right. He was hurt. They were hurt. There was a deep hurt inside. Somebody's brother John Seidel. Indignant. They were indignant against him. Well, we're coming up with a lot of different definitions here. Offended. Offended. They were offended. I think probably the word embarrassed or intimidated or, or such would really fit in this particular case. The reason why is because the clue is found is not this the carpenter. See, they looked at him and they said, well, what's this business about Jesus? I mean, he's just a regular man. You know, he's trying to steal all the glory of God. And yet he he has a job as a, a carpenter. I mean, this was really heavy for them. They didn't like that. Now, if you turn back with me to Matthew, the 11th chapter, verse 6. <clears throat> now, probably if we would read a few scriptures beforehand, you'd really get the, the setting of this. Verse 5, the Bible says, The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be ashamed, embarrassed, Because of me. Now, I think that this is is a very, very, very important passage of Scripture. Because quite often, you will find people getting embarrassed at the work of the Lord. Now, this is talking about the work of the Lord. You see, John the Baptist sends his disciples to question the Jews. Or to question rather Jesus uh, because he was in prison. And so he sends his disciples over and, and Jesus just said, Well, you go tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached unto them. 
Blessed is he whosoever shall not be embarrassed because of my works. Praise God. And you know sometimes it's real easy for people to intimidate you about what you believe. It is just amazing to me how the devil can kind of jump on certain things and give you a complex. You uh, you go over that holy roller church? You know, the devil knows how to make things appear to be crazy in the minds of his disciples. And uh, he knows just how to embarrass you. Doesn't he? Now, truthfully, how many of you have been embarrassed ever because of what you believe? Oh, you better believe. Now, the rest of you, I just don't believe you. (laughs) Because I know that if you're living right, and you're living it the way that you ought to live it, that in this world you will suffer the persecutions of flesh. And I don't believe that it's possible to go through the persecutions without occasionally being embarrassed. People come around and say, uh, what's the point in this? Our ladies wear skirts. And people come around and say, why do all of the ladies at Calvary Gospel Church wear skirts? They make you feel that maybe something's wrong with you. Well, I'm here to tell you that for centuries after centuries, ladies wore skirts. That just happened to be one of the modern day deterioration that is designed to blend the sexes and cause the females to look like men. This is the unisex age. I picked up a, uh, it wasn't a magazine, just a little circular that came with the the paper the other day. And I was really amazed because when I looked through the, it was uh, an ad from J.C. Penney's. And of course they have, uh, they remodeled J.C. Penney's over here at Easttown, perhaps at Westtown, I don't know. But uh, I know that uh, in most of the stores throughout the states they have, and it showed all the ladies in these, uh, <clears throat> the pantsuit. I don't remember now exactly what it looked like, but it looked a whole lot like a man's. And this is what it says. <clears throat> it says, the masculine look. It said it. And, of course, it showed the ladies walking by. And the thing about it is, how many of you saw that? Okay, several of you saw it. The masculine look. And then it showed a man walking with them kind of in the background. And, of course, he had on just a regular man's suit. And here all of the ladies walking there had on men's suits also. And, well, I use that because they were admitting that this was the masculine look. Now, some Christian ladies who do not want to adhere to feminine standards would say, oh, but those are designed by men or by ladies, for ladies, and so they're not, they're not masculine. But, of course, the designer himself says that this is the masculine look. 
Evidently, he was trying to, to, to make it look like the masculine look. See? But I think that one point that, that uh, ladies are embarrassed about occasionally when they are, should I say, a little on the lukewarm side, they'll, people come up to you and say, uh, is that all the clothes you have? You know? You, you, never, wear a, you, you never wear pants? See? And, and make ladies feel totally out of pocket, so to speak, because that they want to be what God wants them to be. Praise God. And the whole truth of the matter is that uh, this business about pantsuits for ladies is just uh, a 19th or uh, 20th century fad. That's, that's exactly what it is. Now, we're going to be starting up our Christian stewardship classes again. And I've got to tell you, we've got so many things going around here. And so many things that, that uh, we have to get done. I set May 14th, Saturday night, as the time to go back through the basics of Christian stewardship. Then, of course, I found out that the church, we have set bat, uh, softball for uh, the men. We want to play softball all summer, one time a month. Not all summer, but one time a month throughout the summer. <laughs> Be nice to play it all summer. But uh, And I promised the men that we would not in any way uh, counsel out. Now, the only problem is that the last time I played softball when I had a stewardship class, I couldn't make it over because, uh, well, you know, just was tired and I worked the men so hard, you know, that couldn't get over here and, and teach, teach the way I wanted to. But uh, we, in our Christian stewardship classes, we have a time in which we talk about basic attitudes according to Scripture. And to be feminine and dress feminine and act feminine is a reflection of your attitude relative to your family, particularly your husband, your position as a, as a wife and a mother, and of course also it reflects in your relationship with God. God has allowed certain physical things to appear on you to show your feel, inner feelings. Now, this is very, very important. We go over some of these signs every now and then with you. But this business about being ashamed and being embarrassed, I'll tell you there's one thing that I think the devil is launching an attack against. Uh, separate and apart from holiness standards and lifestyle, which I think are very important, and that is the name of Jesus. Now you tell me, you tell me on what grounds could a Christian possibly oppose the name of Jesus? Now you tell me, how could a Christian 
logically, logically oppose the name Jesus. Now, whatsoever we do in word or in deed, we do all in His name. Now, I have found this out. There are a lot of people when they pray, they like to end their prayers in Christ's name. That's the way they say it, in Christ's name. There are large, major denominations that they end all their prayers in Christ's name. And they don't like to use the name Jesus. In 1963, Billy Graham was invited to the Coliseum in Houston, Texas, the Astrodome. And, of course, it being owned and operated by a group of non-Christian, not only non-Christian, but atheists, they told him he used the Astrodome if he wouldn't make the name or use the name Jesus. And he agreed to do it. And so the big issue was that Billy Graham preaches for seven nights in the Astrodome without using the name Jesus. He talked about the man from Galilee. He talked about the Savior of the world. He talked about in Christ's name and such. But he was not going to use the name Jesus because they told him he couldn't. That's in violation of the contract. See? In violation of the contract. Now, why would the atheist care about him preaching about Jesus, but he didn't want him to use the name Jesus? You can preach about him. You can call him the man from Galilee. You can call him the carpenter. Or the carpenter's son. You can call him Mary's son. You can call him son of man or son of God. But don't use the name Jesus. Why? You think there's power in the name of Jesus? How many of you believe there's power in the name of Jesus? Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I believe that if we become publishers of His name, we need to turn this city upside down with the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Every now and then, people, well, somebody will come and ask me, said, oh, uh, uh, your church is the, the Jesus-only church. You ever had people say that? Isn't there something peculiar about your doctrine? Don't you believe different from most all? Of the Pentecostal churches in town? Yes, we do. Praise God. And I am glad to say amen to that. Praise God. I said, I am glad to say amen to that. I just cannot see. I cannot logically deduct according to scriptural thinking why any Christian would believe that there's something naughty about the name of Jesus. And that we shouldn't talk about it. Now you tell me what people are thinking of when they say, Are you Jesus only? Or you don't like the name, or you use the name of Jesus all the time? So, well, we just baptize in the name of Jesus, and we pray over our food in the name of Jesus, and we pray for our babies in the name of Jesus, we pray for our grown people in the name of Jesus also. We, we uh, lay hands upon the sick and, and, uh, and we see great miracles done in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Whatever we do, we do in the name of Jesus. Is that in violation of scriptural teaching? Friend, you can't get any closer to the scripture than that. 
Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you will notice in the early chapters of the book of Acts, when the man was by the gate called Beautiful, he was lame and he was healed. In Acts, the the third chapter, uh, you will find that uh, this man, he just uh, received such a great healing and, and he rose up and, and friend, he ran inside of the temple and the Bible says that he leaping and and, uh, and such. He was praising God and, and he stirred up all the people. The Bible says all the people saw him and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened to him. They knew that this man had been healed. But they became very indignant. They were indignant. They were offended. They were literally embarrassed. And you know what they tried to do? They tried to intimidate the apostles. Read it very carefully. They brought them in and said, wait, wait now, we don't mind all these healings and everything. We think you're doing pretty good by, by healing people. But, but wow, uh, we got a problem here. You know, now we know, Peter and John, that you're great evangelists. And uh, we'll continue to rent out the upper room if you'll just talk about Son of Man, Son of God, and the man from Galilee, and Mary's son, the carpenter, and whatever. But we don't want you. To talk about Jesus. Don't use the name. Why did they oppose use of the name? Because. There is unlimited power. In the name. Oh hallelujah. And the Bible tells us. That Peter stood up. And this is what he said. Be it known unto you all. And to all the people of Israel. That by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Whom you crucified. Whom God raised from the dead. Even by him that this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders. Which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Praise God. Hallelujah. I love the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. And I'll tell you something else. When the apostles went out and preached, do you know what they preached? Do you have any idea what they preached? They preached Jesus. Now, they didn't go out and preach Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now, they believed in Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They believed in Father, Son, and Holy Ghost as much as anybody believed. In Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But they didn't preach Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They preached Jesus. Why? 
Because the gospel, the good news, came through Jesus. The Father did not die. The Father was not buried. And the Father did not rise up from the grave. Friend, the Father was omnipotent. He was the Spirit that always was and always will be. But they have a revelation that that Spirit that always was dwelt in the body of Jesus Christ. And that that body was prepared to house, to tabernacle, the precious God of glory. And the name that was attached to that body was Jesus. Mary didn't have the privilege of naming him. Neither did Joseph have the privilege of naming him. But the angel swung low in the heavens and gave the message to Mary. His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, glory, 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 glory. <laughs> Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you feel the victory I feel, clap your hands with me here tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Well, glory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, glory. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> there is power in His name. There is power in His name. There is power in His name. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. It's such a great revelation when you start reading more. The first man who was martyred in the Bible was a man by the name of Stephen. The reason why that he was martyred was because he was preaching about Jesus Christ in the streets. The people became so angry that they gnashed upon him with their teeth. Can you believe that? That they, was, they actually were provoked to the point that they stoned him and some gnashed upon him with their teeth. Now, while it may be true that John Calvin is responsible for a major Christian denomination, and I accent the word Christian there, because at this particular point I really don't know how to, to define uh, what I'm saying the way that I'd like to say it. I know how I feel, but sometimes you feel things that you can't say, because you just don't know how to say them. But it seems strange to me that so-called believers in God could destroy a young man's life and gnash upon him with their teeth. They become that provoked and 
still feel that all of this hatred and this bitterness and this anger can come from God. But you see, this has been throughout the the, uh, pages of history. John Calvin, when Servetus was put to the stake in 426, I say 426, 429 years ago, this coming October 27th, uh, uh, the same thing was true. He just uh, had so much hatred and so much bitterness and, and uh, <clears throat> there was uh, a division in religion as it was even back uh, in 325 A.D. And, and even prior to that when the Trinitarian doctrine and some of the ancient uh, Asian creeds were formed and such. Praise God. Somebody asked me not too long ago what creed we took our doctrine from. Well, uh, they ask if we took it from the Apostles' Creed. uh, uh, They're right. We did take it from the Apostles' Creed. But not the revised Apostles' Creed. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. Not the revised one. Praise God. Praise God. And somebody asked me what branch of Pentecost we were. I said, we're not a branch at all. Uh, We're the stump. Praise God. <clears throat> hallelujah. <clears throat> Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, I tell you, it is so good to be able to open your Bible when people ask you, who founded your religion? Hallelujah. Now, truthfully, you cannot name one person who is responsible for the United Pentecostal Church. And you won't be able to go someplace and open a history book and say, This man founded our religion. But I can tell you something. There is not a denomination in this world that cannot trace their religion back to somebody. And we can trace ours back. But it goes way past... It goes back to Jesus. Do you know the reason why we're still preaching Jesus? Because you see, we can trace it back to Him. Somebody told me, he said, did you know that the Catholic Church is the oldest denomination in the world? That's what they said. So, if we were, if we're the oldest, they said that we must be Right. Well, I said, uh, <clears throat> it's also true that, uh, that uh, the sons of Ishmael claim that Abraham is a father of, of their faith. And it is. They claim to be the children of Abraham through Ishmael. But according to Scripture, that doesn't count. It's got to be through the miraculous birth of Isaac. And I believe that is also true today. The miraculous birth of the church. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. You you notice, and I may sound like I'm just kind of fooling around up here. But sometimes you do it because you feel like doing it. You feel good about it, see? Acts, the seventh chapter, 
Notice this. Just to show you how wisely the Bible's put together, and if you want to know the truth, it does come by revelation, but you can know it. Verse 54, And when they heard these things, they were cut to their heart, or to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. Now we're still on Stephen. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Now notice what the scripture is saying. And, and most people, most Trinitarians say, oh, see there? There is Jesus and there's God. There's two. But notice verse 56. And said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Oh, there's two. There's got to be a trinity. Verse 57. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was, was Saul. And they stoned Stephen. Now notice this. Now what was Stephen doing? Calling upon God. But notice how he called upon God. He said, Jehovah, Father of Abraham, God of the past, save me. Now he didn't say that. He simply looked up And he called upon God and he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Praise God. And that's all he had to say. Praise God. But the Bible says in the Old Testament when a man dies that his spirit goes back to God which gave it to him. And when he called upon Jesus, he said, receive my spirit. It's going back to you. Why did he say this? Because he recognized that in Jesus, there was the fullness. That Jesus was more than just a mere prophet. And he was more than just a mere man. In fact, that is why he was stoned to start with. Praise God. That's why he was stoned to start with. Of course, Philip went into Samaria. And if you notice what Philip did, the Bible says that Philip went into Samaria. And what did he do? He preached the name of Jesus to them in verse 12. Praise God. Oh, I tell you, this is a wonderful name. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. And then, of course, if you notice, Philip was then carried away by the Spirit, or the Spirit talked to him, and, and of course he went down into the desertous place there. He ran across an Ethiopian eunuch, and the Bible tells us that, that uh, he saw the man reading the Scripture. He went and ran to the chariot where he was, and he asked him if he understood what he was reading. The man says, how can I accept some man should guide me? The Bible said, and he desired Philip that he would come up and sit on sit with him. The place in the scripture which he led was this. 
which he read was this, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearers, so opened he not his mouth. Now if you go on down, the scripture tells us that in verse 35, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now please understand that when we preach Jesus, we are not in any way denying a person's fundamental belief in God that created everything and the Holy Ghost that regenerates today. It's just that salvation comes through His name and we preach the gospel of salvation. And so all we need to do is preach the name Jesus. If you go down into into our learning center and you will look at some of the algebra problems, you will find out that... uh, Some of the algebra problems will read like this. X plus Y plus Z equal 3. And then, of course, you will define a couple of them to figure out what the other one is. And what the deal is, it's Father, Son, and Holy Ghost equals Jesus. That simply means that Jesus Christ is the sum total of a man's knowledge of God and that salvation comes through the name of Jesus Christ. Jehovah is Jesus. The Holy Ghost is Jesus. The Son of Man is Jesus. The Bible tells us in Colossians, the second chapter, verse 9, that all the fullness of the Godhead bodily body dwelleth in Him. And we believe that, don't we? And we are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you do not need to be baptized in any other formula. You are totally complete. And if you're baptized some other way, you weren't really baptized at all. You just got wet. Praise God. You just got wet. And that's the way it is. You are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. Now notice this. In whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised Him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened together with Him, having forgiven all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. The Bible tells us, except ye believe that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. John 8, 24. Praise God. And the Bible is telling us here that all of the ordinances that were against us, that was contrary to us, have been blotted out through baptism in His powerful, omnipotent name. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Now, I tell you what. 
You know, <clears throat> I came from down in Texas, and we had a whole lot of different insects down there. But some of the bugs and things that we had were very, very poisonous. Those big red wasps that we have down there are very, very poisonous. I've been stung a few times. My hand would swell up. I uh, had a nephew who was stung about 20 times on the neck, and and he ended up in the hospital in just a just a, a, a gnat's breath from death. And the doctor says if he ever gets stung again, he could die. And uh, <clears throat> if you wanna if you wanna get those things stirred up, you just go around their nest someday and. And uh, you just get you out some raid or something and start spraying. Charlie knows what I'm talking about. A lot of you do. We have some around here, but for some reason, it just seems like the hot weather and everything provokes them. They just sit there all sold up and they're angry and they're ready to ready to fight you. And, and you know the, the same is true with the with the devil. You know, if you uh, you really want to get him stirred up, you know, you just uh, start talking about the name of Jesus. Now he's going to get stirred up. And he doesn't like it. And you see, when we are declaring that this is the year that we're going to publish his name, we're going to preach his name like never before, we're going to baptize in his name, we're going to emphasize his name, you're going to have more devils fighting Calvary Gospel Church than ever before, but it is necessary in order for people to hear the message. We have got to turn this city upside down this year. Everybody in this city has got to know that Jesus Christ and through his name, salvation comes. So we might as well buckle our seatbelts and say, I'm in the church for good. I'm here to stay. And I'm going to preach the name of Jesus Christ through persecution or whatever. Praise God. I found out a real way of getting rid of all of the wasp. I used to do a whole lot of uh, carpentry work and uh, painting and such, and and I could get a bottle of spray up there, and I'd spray, and it seems like that the more I'd spray, the madder they'd get. I mean, they'd really get mad, and after a while, they're all around you. You know, you're just spraying, 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 spraying. I could take a, a newspaper and roll it up and set it on fire. And crawl up the ladder and approach the the nest with that fire. And you know what would happen? They would fly out at me. But the fire would be so hot. It just seems like that they just uh, they just are magnetized by it, and uh, it just burns them. The wings are burned off. They fall. They can't fly. So I get down off the ladder and put my foot against each one of them. And, Eliminate all the wasps. Kill a whole group of them like that. Praise God. And I believe the fire of the Holy Ghost will do the same to the devil. Praise God. <clears throat> I believe that. <clears throat> if you've got the Holy Ghost and you don't have that fire, you need the fire. You see, the Bible tells us, John the Baptist said, says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, saying there's one mightier than I. Coming after me whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And with fire. Now somebody asked him about the Holy Ghost and with fire. The fire is the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. We need to make it known to the world. We need to magnify it to the world. Praise God. And we need to let the fire burn in our soul. Praise God. Like never before. 
Praise God. That's all right. If the devil wants to get mad, then he's just going to get mad. But we're going to keep on preaching the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And I made this statement not too long ago, and I want to make it again tonight. Folks, we have reached the point in which the reaching of the world cannot just be a casual concern of ours. It's got to be more than that. Souls are actually dying. I just made a tour through the state of Wisconsin. I left here. I went up to Fond du Lac and preached. I went from there up to Camp. I went over to Wausau, up Highway 29, up to northern Wisconsin, back down through Eau Claire, and back here in time for service tonight. I'm leaving tomorrow and going down to Janesville to teach some of our home missionaries that are going out. But I have seen this week so many, many busy cities without a Jesus name witness. So many of them. And, and, and it pricks my heart. It really does. I go through this city, uh, this city, this city. A few miles from Anigo we were, uh, Brother Aaron and I. Uh, 10, 12, 14,000. No real witness for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go through small cities across Highway 29. Go into Chippewa Falls. Here's a city of 15,000. Nobody there is a witness for the name of the Lord. Go up to Rice Lake. 14,000 people. No no witness for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Get on the freeway. Come back through Black Earth. we got two churches in Eau Claire. But Black Earth and Toma and, and, and across. No, nobody preaching the name of Jesus. Praise God. It's got to be more than a casual concern. It's got to consume us. We've got to learn how to be servants to the Lord. I meant to serve people, sold out, giving ourselves totally to the Lord Jesus Christ. Spend our life. Jesus said, whosoever seeketh to save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall gain it. And losing of one's life here means spend it. Just like you would go into the store as a child and you got money in your pocket. You remember how you were when you were a child? And you had money. You wanted to figure out just what you could buy with this. And so you got 89 cents. Well, here's something that's 75, but that's not good enough. I've got to get rid of all of it. See? And that's the way kids are. I've seen them hunt and pick up uh, and run back to mother and say, uh, with taxes and everything, is this enough? And you get as close as you could to the elimination of every coin you had in your pocket. It's burning a hole in my pocket. I've got to get rid of it. And that's what Jesus Christ was saying. Whosoever seeketh to spend his life, I'm going to take it off and spend it. And if you will spend it for my sake, you're going to gain it. Why? Because, you see, life was meant to be spent. God made the body strong. and He made it healthy. And, and uh, we were meant to work. I mean, work hard. You can take after the God had cursed the world and put Adam and Eve out. And listen, by the sweat of their brow, they were to make their bread. And He gave them strong bodies that would, uh, would hold up under pressure and such. And, and, and they were to take those bodies and use them. But since the gospel's been preached, the Lord says, take your body, take your life, take everything you have and spend it. Be like the child that runs in. You want to make sure it's all gone. So when the final page of my life has been read, he spent it all for the Lord. He didn't reserve any. Why? Because, you see, if you keep part of your money in your pockets, you see, and you come back home, coins are no good just to look at. You can't take it with you. You, you can't take a dime of it with you. The ancient Egyptians thought 
that the kings of their day could take all their riches. So when they buried them, they buried all of their riches in them. I checked out a film out of the library to view last year, consideration of a Christian school. It dealt with the great pyramids. So the Westerners have gone back into the uh, pages of Egyptian history, searched it out, gone to the pyramids, and found various rooms there. They've gone into some of those rooms, and they found the mummified bodies. Their souls have passed on into eternity, and they've been there for a long, long time. But all of their wealth was still carefully placed around that barren body. They didn't take it with them like the Egyptians thought. The American Indians felt the same way. We're going to bury our dead. And they took all of the belongings and they piled them in the graves. They thought that their wealth and their accumulations here had something to do with their echelons in eternity where they would be. But a long time after the graves had leveled out and nobody knew where they were, the settlers went out west. They hooked their old plows in the ground and began to plow. And occasionally they'd plow up an Indian mound. Here are the bones. Here are the remains of a barren body. Nothing there. The soul's in eternity. You get to digging around and you find all the Indian's wealth. He didn't take it with him. He can't. And that's what Jesus is saying. Don't be so foolish as to think that you can just reserve yourself. You've got to spend yourself. You've got to look for ways to be servants to people. Praise God. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But 1 John 3... 1 John 3.16 Hereby perceive we the love of Christ in that He laid down His life for us so ought we to lay down our life for the brethren. He's saying take your life like coins. Spend it all. Spend it all. Spend it all. Did you know what this world and this life in comparison to eternity, is like a drop of water that's thrown into the ocean. Eternity is such a long time. And yet because we're here, and because we're earthbound, and because there is a devil, it's easy for us to just rely upon carnal thinking If this planet Earth was locked into a gigantic ball of stainless steel, and if a dove flew by as often as Halley's Comet comes by the planet Earth, and no oftener than that, and brushed his wing against the planet Earth, By the time he had totally worn out the earth, eternity would just be starting. For there is no measurable way 
that you can determine forever. The name of Jesus Christ has got to be preached. And I feel that somehow this was the vision that gripped the hearts of the apostles in the Bible. It caused James to be beheaded. It caused Stephen to be stoned. And Peter to be crucified upside down. At least tradition teaches that. But these men had a vision of what they were trying to accomplish. That every soul they reached was a soul that would not have to burn in hell forever and forever and forever. If somehow God could come down here and pull back the curtains that obscured our vision from eternity so that we could look out and we could see the lake of fire, we would all drop to our knees and refuse to take a second look for fear that the anguish of such a place would cause us to lose our minds. And friend, we would work feverishly for the rest of our days for revival on the planet Earth. It was this that caused Jesus to submit to the crucifixion. It was this vision that caused the apostles without fear or reservation to preach it. And how much more appreciative should I be in these last days to live in a land free where I can preach it without any fear of crucifixion. The worst thing that could possibly happen to me right now is for somebody to come by and hurt my feelings. And yet so often we don't want to declare it. Don't you love him? Would you lift your voice up to him? I love you, Jesus. I feel that somebody would like to come right now and surrender their heart to the Lord. Now, if you've been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, don't come right now. Let's first wait and give an opportunity to those who have never been buried in His name. Would you all stand with me right now? Who would like to be the first one to step out and come and give their heart to the Lord? Who would like to be the first one? On each side of the pulpit, there's a place to come and kneel and pray. Why don't you come on right now and give your heart to the Lord? God bless Sister Mary for bringing her son Adam down to the altar. Who'd like to be the next one to come right now? Step right out where you are and give your life to the Lord. Praise God. Don't be embarrassed. 
Come right on right now and give your heart to the Lord, would you? Praise God. As some of you ladies and young people come and pray with this young lady. Praise God. Come on right down here. Somebody else want to step out right now and come and pray and give your heart to the Lord? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. Now, would others like to come and pray? Perhaps you've already been filled with the Holy Ghost, but you'd just like to come and seek the Lord. Why don't you just step right out and come on and pray? Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Sister Sue, would you sing, boys? Come home. Come home. Oh. 